0: Let's agree together in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, our hearts are full of gratitude and praise because it is always a delight for us to share fellowship with your word and your spirit. We thank you because the entrance of your word giveth light and we trust and believe that as we look through your word together, our minds and our hearts will be enlightened with the truth of who you are and who we are in you we pray that the end of this message that the hearers shall be greatly edified and built up and more importantly your name will be glorified in our lives in jesus name amen all right so we'll be continuing on um, our series the gospel revealed in galatians Uh, this will be i believe episode 20 uh, and, uh, it's, it's been quite a journey. It's been quite a journey. And, uh, you know, uh, last week we started looking, okay, not that we started, but we continued our conversations around the revelation that James received, you know, that Paul, uh, you know, wanted to know more about. Uh, so actually let's go to Galatians. So let's go to Galatians because that's the the foundation right that's that's the main book but what we're looking at now in the epistle of james you know is much more of a a connection you know to to um you know to what paul was trying to tell us in galatians chapter one so if we go to galatians chapter one and we read from the verse 18 it says then after three years i went up to jerusalem to see Peter or Cephas in the Aramaic, and remained with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. So we we've been trying to understand and, and gain some insight into uh, some of the conversations that Paul would have had with James, and even though we do not have it written for us verbatim we know that the reason why paul went to meet peter and of course also went to meet james was to understand the revelation that they themselves had received you know uh you know was to because he himself had experienced this insight this unveiling of jesus as the son of god as the one who god raised up from the dead and after spending years, you know, taking this revelation in, especially through the study of the scriptures, and remember, their scriptures would have been Genesis to Malachi. So, having combed through Genesis to Malachi, seeing Christ unveiled in his death, in his sufferings, in his resurrection, and of course, our own inclusion in that um, uh, reality, uh, you know, <laughs> Paul just had to meet others. Uh, who had been much more established in the faith those who had you know either been with jesus or who jesus um, you know revealed himself to uh, through the explanation of scriptures and so he went to to someone like peter um, who was of course uh, a a respected apostle uh, and also went to james too who was a respected elder and some might argue that he was the the chief elder uh, or pastor in the uh, or of the church in Jerusalem, you know. So, so Paul was very specific as to the people he went. He went to those who were leaders. He went to those who he knew had um, a firm grip and understanding of the unveiling of Jesus. And so we we took time. We explored that of Peter's through Matthew sixteen, and um, you know we could have even gone further in in seeing more of that revelation that he understood and received. his own epistles but um we would we would i believe we would actually touch on that when we look at james's um revelation and understanding of the person of jesus in his death and resurrection and how that um opened up the door for our new birth or our sonship in christ okay so um so we've been looking at uh, the the revelation of James through his epistle. So I want us to go to James chapter one. James chapter one, and uh, last week we laid quite a bit of emphasis on um, you know God being the Father of lights, right? Okay, so I'm just gonna read it, read the verse 17 again. It says, "Every good gift or The Greek is much more emphatic in saying every good act of giving. So it's not just the gift itself, but the action, right? The action behind the giving, the intentionality behind the giving. And we see that it is with a good intention. You know, it's not just, oh, let me just give the gift because it's been troubling me for a gift. No, 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 no. There is a purpose. The, The intention itself is good, right? Is for the benefit of the person to whom the gift is being given to, Uh, right? Uh, That might be a mouthful, but in in essence, um, the intention of that act of giving is a good act, is a good intention. And, And James lays emphasis on that. So he doesn't just lay emphasis on the gift being good or the gift being perfect and complete and entire, not lacking anything. Uh, the person, meaning speaking of the wholesomeness of that gift, uh, and then also lays emphasis on the intention behind the giving, you know, which is very important. And so last week we we went into much detail, you know, as to what that gift is, or <laughs> we can also say, say who that gift is, you know, and we emphasize that that gift is the gift of the Spirit. We can also say it is the gift of sonship. We can also say it is the gift of Jesus Himself because you know, Jesus really is the Spirit of God too, right? So, uh, Jesus, the Spirit, God, we're not talking of three different entities per se, um, but we're we're thinking about the one uh, same God, right? The one same God who was Jesus or who became man, right? In the flesh, and it is now the same God who dwells in us as the Spirit, so when we talk about the spirit of God, we are talking about God himself. Um, in, in the Greek text, is actually called uh, the genitive of opposition, you know, where where words like spirit of God is not, uh, it, it's actually the spirit which is God, right? You know, the spirit which is God. So when we say, oh, what spirit are we talking about? What spirit is it that dwells in us? It is God. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Uh, it, it is called the genitive of opposition. Another example is love of God, right? So, when we say love of God, where the genitive of opposition kicks in and it's actually love who is God or love which is God. So, God, therefore, is love. Uh, does, does that make sense? So, so they are there, there it, depending on the context as well, and it usually determines whether we use a genitive of opposition. Or we do not use a genitive of apposition, but the, the the main point here. In fact, we're actually going to see it in the verse eighteen, where we talk about the word of truth, you know, or we say the word which is truth, or the word which is reality. Okay, but anyways, so last week we we spoke about the gift, which is the gift of Jesus or the gift of the Spirit, you know, and. Um, and we saw that it is it is a it is one gift, right? It is not many gifts, but one gift. But however, in having that one gift, we do not lack in anything as it pertains to the spiritual. You know, uh, we do not lack anything. Um, now, I I I, I lead much emphasis that we do not lack anything as it pertains to the spiritual. Okay, when we have this gift. We, We have the fullness of all that we need as it pertains to our spiritual walk with God. Right? So meaning, for example, uh, a person can have the Spirit, uh, have this gift of the Spirit or the gift of God dwelling in them, but yet can be physically poor, right? But yet can uh, be lacking in so many things as it pertains to the earthly or natural realm okay so uh, so let's we get it twisted because many times many people have the confusion of this gift being that which is earthly you know if you have this gift of god in you oh my god you know everything in your life is perfect you won't lack anything and none of those things. no 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 That that's not true that's not true okay the gift here it pertains to that which is of the spirit, and so it is of a spiritual character. It is of a spiritual nature. Now, remember, we looked at Ephesians chapter one, verse three, to to give emphasis to this, where it says, "Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with what? With all spiritual, spiritual blessings, right in the heavenlies in Christ." Okay, so notice the character of the blessing is what, spiritual, or we can also see the blessings of the spirit, or we can even say the blessings is the spirit of God, so in having the spirit of God within you, you have all the blessings of God, right, so the spirit of God, which is that one gift, right, encapsulates so many other things of the nature and character of God as well. So in that same spirit, you know, you experience wisdom. In that same spirit, you experience knowledge. In that same spirit, you experience understanding. In that same spirit, you, you, you experience the might of God. You experience the counsel of God. You experience the reverence, the fear, the respect of God. In that same spirit, you experience, you know, the, the diverse manifestations of the of gifts in healings, miracles, prophecy you know, love, joy, peace, you know, just in having that one spirit, it encapsulates and that is why <laughs> James would call it perfect gift. Perfect in the sense of completeness. Perfect in the sense of lacking nothing. Once you have this gift of God in you, of which every believer does, right, it opens the door to the totality of all that God is and all that God has. Which is why it, 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 it's, it's a huge privilege, really. It's a huge privilege. And that's what James is trying to communicate here. So he speaks of it again, perfect gift from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And I remember last week we laid emphasis on that, that he's called the Father of lights, right? If he's called the Father of lights, <laughs> it therefore means that we, who are his children, right, are light you know so then certain verses or scriptures begin to come to mind where Jesus will call himself the light of the world and will also call us the light of the world yeah so meaning the same nature and character that we see in God our father right is also that same nature and character that we see in ourselves and in fact that is the gift <laughs> that's also the gift too is is the gift of sonship yeah is the gift whereby we are able to share in the same nature character, likeness, image, as the Father, alright, so, again, again, he, he says here, the Father of light, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning, and something we also said is that God is light, and because God is light, he is clear, I mean, what does light do, if you even think it's natural, you know, light does not veil things, light reveals things, light exposes things. Right, wherever there is light, there is even life. Yeah, so meaning that with God, there is no mystery in God. God is not, uh, you know, God. God God is not uh, today light and then tomorrow darkness. You know. Uh, you can ju- you hear things like, oh, God is so mysterious. His ways are mysterious. Oh, this, this, that. No, 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 no. God's ways, he's light. He's light. <laughs> yeah, he's light. Whatever so-called mystery we might have about God is in our own understanding. Is in our own minds. Not because God is hiding himself or not because God doesn't want to make himself known. No, 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 no. The so-called ignorance is in the minds of men and it's not because god put it there yeah it is not because god put okay let's see um second it is just going to be i i didn't intend to go this route but it's just impressed in my heart to do so second corinthians chapter four. Second corinthians chapter four this is very important because what james is also trying to do here is to show us the nature and the character of god as light god who is Light God, who is light, and there is no variation, he's not God, is not a yo yo, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's very clear in who he is, he's very clear in his actions. Okay, second Corinthians chapter 4, let's read the verse 4. Uh, okay, no, from the verse 3, sorry. So it says, But even if so, second Corinthians 4, verse 3, but even if our gospel is veiled it is veiled to those who are lost. It is veiled to those who are lost. Look at verse 3 again. If our gospel is veiled, if our gospel is hidden, it is veiled or hidden to those who are lost. Now, the question we have to ask is, who is doing the hiding? (laughs) Are we the ones doing the hiding? Is it the gospel that is doing the hiding? No. In fact, How do I even know this without maybe any special revelation or anything? Even the Greek text itself, right? The Greek text itself um, explains that that verb, hidden, is something done in the passive voice. So, meaning that it is not the gospel that veils people or that hides itself from people. No. But rather, it is an action done to the gospel. Okay, so it is an action of men done towards the gospel whereby they hide it, they prevent the effect of the gospel from influencing them. If you have a very good Greek concordance, it will be actually, it's actually <laughs> spelled out to you, right? That word hidden there or, 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 or concealed or veiled, right, is in what is called the passive voice, meaning that an action is done to the gospel, not by God, but by men. To conceal it. And that action is that men hide it. Men veil that gospel. Who are the men that do it? Those who are lost or those who are perishing. They don't want it. There is that veil of unbelief. Okay, let's keep reading. So, look, let, let's see what the verse 4 says. It says, In whom the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who are lost so we see it so now what is it that blinds the mind of those who do not believe now notice it is that this god of the age here blinds the minds of those who do not believe so in fact it is not even the blinding that causes them not to believe Mm -mm -mm. it is by them not Believing or not being persuaded by the gospel that now brings that veil to their minds. See, this is actually very important. Again, it is not the veil, the, the blinding by the God of the age that causes men not to believe. It is when men choose to reject the gospel that is preached to them that a veil is now placed, that a blinding is now brought forth against the gospel. I'll read it again. In whom, the God of this age, right? In whom, the God of this age. Now, what what would be the God of this age? Especially in the context of the conversation that Paul is having in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He would be speaking about religiosity. He would be speaking about the law or the law of works or the mindset of unbelief. Because in the in Second Corinthians chapter three, he had just that he had just finished speaking about you know the Old Testament, right, and how Moses is read. So it therefore points to the minds of men. So when we say God of this world, God of this world, Paul was talking about the religious mind, the religious mindset of works, the religious mindset that says, "I'm going to do things by my own efforts." Going to be saved by my own works and not by the faith of the Lord Jesus. I'm just trying to give a context to this. You can, on your own time, read Second Corinthians chapter 3 and see what I'm talking about. Okay, so that's who the God of this age age is. When we say the God of this world, God of this world, you know, it it shouldn't be taken out of context to think, oh, is this one or is this devil or is that devil or this or that. Mm -mm. We read in context and notice that the God of the age, that blind, okay. Second Corinthians chapter three. I'm sorry, I, I really just want to make sure that I am uh, touching this chapter very clearly. Okay. Now look at this from the verse twelve. Therefore, since so Second Corinthians three verse twelve. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses. Who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look, do you see that word veil now? put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded. Do you see? Their minds were. Blinded. So meaning that Moses putting a veil over his face was a type or a pointer to their minds being blinded. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when he says Moses put a veil over his face, Moses was just trying to show them. Yeah, Moses was just trying to show them um, what was going on in their minds. Yeah, Moses was trying to show them what was going down. Um, what was going on in their minds that there was a veil, right? a veil preventing them from seeing that which was fading away, which was the old covenant. The old covenant of do, do, do in order to be saved. Okay, I'll read the verse, uh, I'll read the verse 14. It says, but their minds, right? Or their minds were hardened for until the present day, the same veil I mean, for unto this day, the same veil is present at the reading of the Old Covenant. So, it still remains. So, when they read the Old Covenant, of which, by the way, <laughs> when it says Old Covenant here, or Old Testament, here, it is not speaking of Genesis to Malachi. Okay, The Old Covenant is speaking about the, the law of works. Or the law that says that it is by what you do that you become saved. So, this old covenant here is speaking about what was given specifically to the people of Israel, specifically to the people of Israel on Mount Sinai, right? Whereby it is by what they do that determines whether they experience life or they experience death. Now, for the new covenant, or for those of or those who believe, right, it is by believing in what God will do that we become saved. The old covenant will say, "It is by what you do that you become saved." Totally different message. So, even when the old covenant is read, there is a veil there. What is that veil? It is a veil of unbelief. It is the veil that says that, "Mm -mm, I must be the one to do it. God is saying that, no, 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 it is not for you to do, it is for me to do. And that's what Jesus came to do when he came in the flesh. When God came in the flesh, he came to fulfill the law. He came to complete it. The word fulfilled means to complete or to to fill or supply that which is lacking. And what was it that was lacking? That he was the one that was to perform those actions that he was the one that was supposed to do them and we are to what believe in him as the doer of the law or the things written in the law. And that is why, okay look at this, I'll read the verse 14 again, but their minds were hardened for until this present day the same veil at the reading of the old covenant remains, right? It remains, but it is lifted up, right? But it is being lifted when the heart is turned to Christ, right? When the heart is turned to Christ, the veil is done away with. So, the veil is done away in Christ. What does that mean? It means that the moment you see Christ as the one that is to fulfill the things written in the old covenant, what happens? That veil of unbelief is removed and you are able to see yourself in what Christ has done. Do you see? So what does the veil do? The veil is there to enforce. You saying you will do it by your own strength, but the moment you turn to Christ, or the moment you look to Christ as the fulfillment of those things within there, boom! Your eyes is now able to see, you're now able to see the nature and character of Christ as Savior, and you are also now able to see yourself as the one who has been saved and redeemed. Does that make sense? I know this. <laughs> this is a this this is a, a very very interesting subject we're going to come into when we look at the Paul's epistle to the Corinthians. But the point that I'm just trying to make now: how do we get here? If if we go back to James, because it's it's just so tempting. Because as I just keep on reading the remaining verses, it's so tempting to to just keep going. It's really tempting to keep going. the points that i'm trying to make is that we are light okay we are light and not only are we light but god himself is light and whatever so-called mystery whatever so-called uh um misunderstanding that we have with god is not because god is hiding himself from men no but it is rather an understanding in men that choose not to see god as who he is so god will say that he is light and there is no darkness at all in him men will say no 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 god is both god is both light he's both darkness and darkness god is both good and sometimes he also does evil and then they will now call that evil good you know some people's mindset we can it honestly blows my mind (laughs) You hear things like, "Well, uh, God will not give you sickness, right?" But God can allow bad things to happen to you to test you. Like, wh- what? What's the difference? <laughs> like, what is the difference, really? You know, what is the difference? So it, it it therefore so they you they try just and and it leaves the saints confused because if okay well if God is the one taking me through this then I guess I don't need to pray against it. And so it leaves the saints confused. And that is actually what James is trying to address here: that God is the father of lights. There is no variation in him. Because in the previous verses, right, you know, he was James was trying to correct that mindset about God: that God can tempt you with evil, that God tempts man. And James dealt thoroughly with it. He says that look. Every man, when he is tempted, he is what to join away of his own lusts. Because God cannot be tempted with evil, therefore, he himself does not tempt any man with such. And so, many times, people say, "Oh, God is just trying to test me, he's just trying to do this, he's trying to make me stronger, not, no, he is not, he doesn't need to use circumstances to make you stronger, he has already made you strong in Christ. But when those circumstances come, it is now to show forth that strength that He has already made, that He has already made you to have. And those trials and temptations that come is not because God is the one bringing them, but it is because we live in this world. (laughs) And Jesus said it multiple times that as long as you are in this world, tribulations will come, temptations will come, testings will come. Why? Because you are in this world men would tempt you. The systems and the arrangements of men would tempt you. But know that God is not the one behind those things. Where is God's path? God's path is to strengthen you through those temptations. God's path is to supply you with joy, to keep you strong. No wonder the psalmist will say that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Strength in what? Strength in the times of tempting, in temptations, in the tr- times of testings. That is God's part. Some people want to say, you know, God is in control, even in all those bad times. God is the one bringing them; He's also in control of it. <laughs> See, um, and then we confuse the thing. No, that is not who God is. God is clear. See, God is not a mystery. He is clear. God is light, and J- John will say, God is light, and in Him there is no no darkness at all. James is echoing the same thing. You know, God, the father of lights, in whom there is no variation. He doesn't change. He's not today nice to you, tomorrow mean to you. No, God's nature, God's character is consistent. And like I mentioned last week, (laughs) it's so funny. I'm not even getting into what I wanted to share today, you know, but I guess it's it's just so important to emphasize again and again and again and again and again, you know, uh, this this aspect of John's write, um, james's writing because it's just so important because james is correcting mindsets wrong ideas about who god is right so james is saying that he is the father of light there is no variation he doesn't change based on your emotions based on how you feel no no there is no variation in god there is no shadow of turning Right? What does it mean? Shadow of turning. James was literally alluding to you know how in the in the earth, right? You know, when the sun rises and all, and how the shade um, that is formed from the sun casting upon an object changes depending on the position of the sun. So that's what James is alluding to here. That God is not like that, He's consistent. He is God is consistent. His character is clear. And the best best explanation of all you need to know about God is in the person of Jesus. Actually, I am bold to say this anywhere, anytime. That everything you need to know about God is in Jesus. There is nothing else you want to know about God outside who Jesus came to reveal him to be and you know unfortunately many people are not satisfied with that they are not satisfied with that they will rather want it that okay yes 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 there is jesus but then ah you don't want to see another side of god okay did we see that side in jesus so if we did not see that side in jesus then god does not have it they say ah no no don't you see in the old testament and everything like that's true but We use what we have seen in Jesus or in what Jesus has revealed God to be to understand what we see about God in the Old Testament. And that is very important. Right? We see what did Jesus reveal God to be. Then we take that understanding and we use it to study the Old Testament. So, in our study in the Old Testament, when we now see things that contradict what we see in Jesus, we ought to take a pause and study it much more deeper. We don't just read it and say, Oh, it says God uh destroyed this. And then we just now assume that, okay, God kills people. Like, no, no. You, you, you did you see Jesus kill anybody oh, while he was on earth? Did you see Jesus kill anybody? So It means therefore that when we now read that, we have to take a pause, we have to pause, we have to ask ourselves, is this talking about it in a literal sense? Could this be a figure, a type that Moses was trying to communicate? Right? So, those are questions we pause to ask ourselves because we have seen God clearly, as clear as day, (laughs) in the person of Jesus. We have seen him clearly, we've seen him clearly, so go look at this, John, 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 I mean, sorry, first John, first John chapter one, first John chapter one, <laughs> see, I, my prayer is that the the hearers of this message really get this because it will revolutionize your thinking and even your approach to studying the scriptures. Okay, so First John one verse five. This is the message which we have heard from him. See, <laughs> you know, some might, we might have argued and say, oh, maybe this was a message that John himself, you know, is, is preaching. Maybe it's something that he came up with or something that he himself understood. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. He's saying that look, this is the message. This is the message which we have heard heard from him. So what John is about to tell us is not something from that he just cooked up or something that uh, he just manufactured. No. The message that we've heard from him and we do what? And we preach it to you. See, preach the message that John is saying he heard from the Lord Jesus himself. Preach it. Don't bring mixture. Don't bring additions preach the same message so what is the message that john heard from him and he preaches to us and it is that what god is light do you see god is light god is light and there is no darkness in him in fact the greek is so emphatic. the greek will say and there is no there is no There is no darkness in him. Not any. (laughs) The Greek Greek actually uses the double negative. Not any. Not even a trace. Not a single tint of darkness is found in God. He is totally, completely light. Radiant light. Radiant light. Radiant light. That's who God is. (laughs) That's who God is. And so... Is is clear as day. So don't let anybody come tell you God is you know is light. He hides himself in darkness. He does this. He does no no (laughs) no no no. God is light. He is clear. You can know him. You can know the totality of who he is. You know. I know. Sometimes you can hear that. "Ah." You know. It will take ages, eternity for us to know God. No. God is clear. Everything you need to know about God is clear there in God's word and much more so in the person of Jesus. Amen. I I really hope that, (laughs) that I am communicating this as clear as possible. As clear as possible. To God's light. There is no obscurity in him. There is no darkness in him. There is no, you know, it's not like man. Man is the, in fact, man is the one who varies. Man is the one who can seem like light today and then can seem like darkness tomorrow. You just don't know. <laughs> you just never know how man can, the same man that can be smiling with you today can be funny to you tomorrow. But God is not like that. And that is one what men tend to do, right? Men tend to project their own uh, character to God. That's just what it is. They try to project it to God, and it is not so. There is a reason why Jesus will call him my our Father who is in heaven, because he is separate, he is distinct, he's special, he's apart from what is goes on around the earth or in the in the in the, in the in the domain of man. Right. So God is light. God is light. God is light. No darkness in him. Okay. Let's see another one. This is even speaking concerning Jesus. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter (laughs) 1. Hebrews chapter 1. And I promise uh, we will go back to James. Okay. But it's just so important that I laid this foundation. So Hebrews chapter 1. And uh, let's read the verse 1. Verse 1 to verse 3. So Hebrews 1 from 1. 2, 3. Alright, it says, God, who at various times and many portions and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by sonship, or by son, whom he has appointed heir of all through whom he made the ages. All right. So the question we ask ourselves is, what is it that he has, um, he has been appointed the heir of all things. So that all there is all that God spoke to the fathers. So Jesus is the heir, is the inheritor, or he is the fulfillment of all that was spoken through the ages to the fathers. That's very important. Yeah. Very important. So that all things there is not speaking of. is the hell of, um, you know, the natural earth or the natural heavens or the, the lions and the this or that. No, no, no. <laughs> Sometimes it just it just blows my mind, the imaginations of me. Anyways, as in this last day spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all. What? What is the all there? All that was said or spoken by the prophet to the father to the fathers, yeah. through whom he also made the ages or the worlds. What are the worlds or what are the ages? The things that were spoken, right? The things that were spoken. Okay. Verse 3. He says, who being the brightness. Now, look at this. Who is the he there? His son. Jesus. Jesus being the what? The brightness of his glory. Do you see that word brightness again? Which has to do with light. Yeah, so wherever is it when you think brightness, you think light, isn't it? You think light source. Yeah, so who being the word, the brightness, the Greek will say the radiance of his glory, a light that is flashing forth <laughs> or to shine forth. So Jesus is the radiance, is the shining forth, right? Is the light shining forth God's glory. And then look at this. And he is the exact expression. He is the exact representation of his substance. Wow. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Jesus is the exact representation. Now, that Greek word, that Greek word for express image or exact representation is the word for character. It's actually the word character in Greek right is the word character so we can also say that jesus is the character of god <laughs> so if you want to know the way god acts if you want to know the way god behaves himself just study jesus and again if we did not see jesus kill people that's maybe even speak words so that people will down and die or people will be destroyed we do not see jesus destroying people right so it it ought to get us thinking To now go back to verses or places in the Old Testament scriptures, that's Genesis to Malachi, where we might have previously understood that God killed people. What it does is that it gets us thinking, it gets us going back to those scriptures. Because, see, if we do not do these things, what it does is that, you know, what people tend to not realize is that the things you believe about God. Right actually affects your lifestyle. It affects the way you live, it affects your conduct. And so if you believe that God allows both good and evil to happen to you, or God is the author or in control of good and evil in your life, if you believe that concerning God, then when things happen in your life that you know that are negative, for example, you would rather than you dealing with them properly in the light of god's word you attribute it to god you attribute it to god you say oh yeah no god is in control i need not worry i need not fear you know i know those things like because god i know that god is the one allowing these things to happen to me my goodness no no do you see that in jesus no you don't So he says he is what? He is the exact representation. He is the character. He is the exact reproduction of God. That's who he is. (laughs) He is the ultimate radiance of God. He is the brightness of God. That is who Jesus is. So if you want to know God, you can see him clearly in the person of Jesus so you want to study god study jesus enroll yourself in the school of christ enroll yourself in the learning of who christ is and by doing so you also know who god is and by knowing who god is you also know who you are because jesus christ is an example of us because we now have that same self-same spirit because we are his sons right we have his dna (laughs) the dna of god in us is the spirit in us Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so we are the exact same representation of who he is. Oh, boy, you might look at yourself, but but I live my life this, like this, or like that, or like that. Well, that is why I am preaching this to you, so that you can repent. The word repent there, repent means a change of mind, so that you can change your thinking. Change the way you look at yourself. Don't look at yourself that way. Look at yourself the way God has made you to be, which is like himself, which is exactly like himself so just as we can say in hebrews that jesus is the exact representation the exact expression the exact likeness of god so also we can say the same of yourself that i'm the exact representation of god because i have his spirit in me because i'm his son you know the basis of what the writer of hebrew is saying here in verse 3 is because he says that jesus is god's son right in the verse 2 as in this last day spoken to us by son or in his son or in the sonship of Jesus, and because we are in that same sonship, and because we have that gift of sonship in us, which is the gift of His Spirit, therefore, we too are the exact same representation of God. I know, that's the good news for you, it's too good to be true. <laughs> so now correct your mind, align your mind with this truth. Align your mind, let your mind be renewed by this truth, which would then affect your conduct and your character. And you begin to see that your conduct aligns with what God's word says about you and about Himself. Wow, my time has really gone and so I will not be able to touch on what <laughs> I actually wanted to touch on today. But it was just strongly impressed in my heart as, as the, the recording was going to just again emphasize this regarding the nature and character of God because it is hinges it hinges on so many things. Even the way you interpret and explain the scriptures hinges on you knowing the accurate character of our God which is seen clearly in the person of Jesus. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your attention. And I will encourage you to please listen to this recording again if possible. You know, have conversations around it. If you have any questions, you can always type it up, you know, and reach out to me and we can have more conversations around this. But thanks again for your attention and I wish you A wonderful, wonderful time with the Lord. Remain blessed.